I have given today's title, I'm never very good at titles, but I gave it the title, Seeing Does Not Equal Believing. And we're going to carry on in John chapter 7, where Pastor Cliff left off last week. And this is the beginning of a new story. Remember how John chose several, he was very specific in the stories that he chose to share. And so this is the beginning of a new story. So we're going to read John chapter 7, starting at verse 1. We're not going to do the whole story, just a portion of it. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the, Jew, the Jews' Feast of Booths, also called the Feast of Tabernacles, was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was so much muttering about him among the people. While some said, He is a good man, others said, No, he is leading people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. So John begins the story with the words, After this. So as I was reading that, that, that immediately draws my mind back to, okay, well, what happened? What are, what's the after this all about? But what's interesting is that I already let you know that chapter 7 is the beginning of a new story. Chapter 6 didn't happen just a day before or a week, a week before. It actually happened six months before. So there was a lot of events, unrecorded events, that would have taken place in that time. But he still says after this. And we come to realize that after the events in chapter 6, Jesus remained in Galilee because of them. So what were some of those events? John 6, 66, it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And as Cliff pointed out last week, the disciples, the followers of Jesus who had eaten the bread, they were excited enough and in awe of the miracle that they just witnessed that they ran around the lake. It caused them to be amazed and to follow Jesus. They followed because, as Cliff said last week, they received a temporary filling of their food, or of their bellies full of food. It was a temporary fulfillment for them. They didn't mind receiving the immediate benefit, but they didn't want to surrender their lives to this God that they were beginning to learn about. And they couldn't understand the symbolism of the bread, that Jesus was the bread of life, that he was God, that he was the savior of the world. They couldn't recognize that it was in him that they would find true satisfaction. So they left him. And I thought about that, the bread that they ate, the miracle that they witnessed, it did not open their eyes to their sin. It didn't convict their hearts. And it didn't bring them to recognize their need. And as I started preparing this message, I started preparing this message before Cliff spoke last week. And I sat in the front row listening to him, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Because as Cliff began to speak, 
He began to point out the same point that I had already worked on in my message. And if I had normally, normally I would just start preparing the week of, but I felt like, no, I'm actually supposed to stick with what I had already started. But it was the same thing that Cliff pointed out. And it made me think, okay, God, what are you trying to right. say to us? Right. You said the same thing to both of us. I had my ears open. What are you saying? And when I first started reading this passage, I always read it through multiple times, just kind of sitting it, soaking it, and just let the Holy Spirit bring things to me. And my first, what was standing out to me was the timing of God, and how God was more concerned about obedience to the Father than the timing of man. And as I was reading it, I thought about the brothers, um, their advice. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, Five keys to success in gaining followers. It's like, <laughs> almost like this growth strategy 101. Yeah. It's like, change your strategy, stop playing it safe, find a new demographic, show yourself to the world. And, but this, it was as, I'm not saying growth strategies are bad, but when they're not in alignment with what actually God is calling, That's right. then it's just a worldly mindset. That's right. So yeah. that was where my message was going to go about that. But as I started reading again and started typing, I could not get past verse 5 that said that the, the brothers didn't believe. And these were the actual brothers of Jesus. Simon and Judas, not Judas Iscariot. James and Joseph. And there's not even any indication that his brothers came to faith in Christ before the death, the resurrection, and the ascension. They were in the upper room after that in prayer after the ascension and then we know that James later became a leader in the church of Jerusalem and he wrote the book of James but beforehand they didn't believe they didn't believe even though they had witnessed so yeah. many miraculous signs and the default setting in my mind whenever I thought about signs and wonders has been in the context that through the sign and wonder people would see Jesus just like what Cliff pointed out last week, a sign is a, it guides us to see Jesus. Yeah. And I began to think in a new way about signs and wonders that I had never thought of this week. And I began to study it more. And I saw these opposing, contrasting results in scripture. There was numerous occasions where people saw signs and wonders, but it didn't lead them to believe. And then there's on the other side, where people did see signs and wonders and they believed. And I was like, what is going on? And I couldn't get past this, so we're actually going to sit on this point all and I'm going to expand it. Right. And you know, the unbelieving brothers, it's not like they disbelieved the signs that Jesus was doing. After all, they encouraged him, go show what you're doing, go make yourself known. And maybe there's a lot of people who thought that he was a prophet or the king, or the coming to like lead Rome. Like Maybe they thought that he was like a holy man, like an Old Testament prophet, which signs and wonders were worked through prophets in the Old Testament. So maybe they were trying to discover, okay, who is he? Maybe he's a prophet. But for his brothers and for many others, seeing the miracle was not enough to lead them to faith in Christ. We see over and over in John alone instances where people saw miracles, yet they didn't believe. John 12, 37 says, though he has done so many signs before him, they still did not believe in him. And I began to think about scripture as a whole. Remember Pharaoh and all of the signs and wonders that happened in Egypt. And I thought about, man, if there was ever signs and wonders that should bring a fear of God into people, 
Yeah. That's, those signs and wonders should have, right. but it didn't. They didn't believe. And we know that Pharaoh had a hard heart. You know, I always struggled with that passage. I didn't like the fact that it says God gave Pharaoh a hard heart. My husband shared with me, I don't know, about a month ago, a message he was listening to. And the, the preacher shared it from the perspective that God withheld his mercy from Pharaoh. It wasn't that Pharaoh had no hardness of heart to begin with and God gave him some. He actually had hardness of heart to begin with, as do all of us. And he just withheld his mercy. And that kind of was like, oh. I can, you know, I can grab, I can grab hold of that. But we all have that hard heart until God pours His mercy upon us yeah, yeah. to bring us into that place of believing. And I love Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. I will give you a new heart, yeah. and I will put my spirit yes. within you, and I will remove from you your yes. heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Yes. That is what God will do for each one of us when we come to faith in Him. It is his word. Then there were the people of God, the Israelites, who saw the glory of God. They witnessed such power, such majestic might, the Lord caring for them in miraculous ways as they went through the wilderness. Yet again, what they witnessed through their sight was not enough to grip their hearts to obey to cause them to surrender and follow wholeheartedly. They were so quick to move into idolatry. And everyone who witnessed the acts of God in Egypt actually died in the wilderness. It's crazy to think. Joshua and Caleb and only those under 20 years old were actually able to go into the wilderness. After all that they had seen, they saw it all. And they died in the wilderness because they lived in unbelief instead of living to know God. Yeah. Then in contrast, we see in Acts multitudes who came to faith in Jesus when they saw miracles, when they saw signs and wonders. I was at a meeting last Friday night at Johnson Heights. They're beginning revival meetings there. They're starting to sprinkle up around the city. So I went and joined them. It was a great time. And I heard a testimony there of a man who just came to faith in Christ a few months ago because he had, I won't get into the whole story, but the Lord miraculously healed his leg. Right yeah, the whole back of his leg was bruised by morning. It was completely gone. And he recognized Jesus and he yeah. gave his life. Amen. And that Amen. happens every day. Yes, Lord. Around the world it happens every day. Yes, that people actually don't get stuck at the sign they see beyond it yeah. and they see our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he gets glory. Yes. And that is so awesome. That is one thing that we can say awesome about. <laughs> but I see within these opposing realities a caution for us. This was a caution to my heart this week. Yeah. That we must not exalt signs and wonders beyond their proper place. Yeah. And this is what I believe the Lord wanted us to hear. And he wanted both Cliff and I to talk about the same point. And sometimes we can become so caught up in our thinking that the release of the miraculous would bring revival and healing and that it would just bring salvation to our entire nation. Yet at the time that Jesus walked earth and the miraculous was released, it did not bring salvation to the nation. So the display of the miracle is not the way. Jesus is the way, yes. the truth, and the life. And no yes. one comes to the Father except through him. John 14, 6. 
So Jesus is the way, not miracles. Signs and wonders in and of themselves do not change the heart. We can very begin, we can very subtly begin to worship signs and wonders as though they are the Savior. Now we would never say that. We would never say that. But there's a subtlety in our heart that we can exalt them beyond their proper place and miss out on exalting the name of Jesus. Yes, mercy. And when our excitement of the signs and wonders exceeds the excitement of the gospel message, the excitement of Jesus himself, then I think we need to be careful. When I thought about all the brothers and those who had walked away because they had witnessed miracles, I thought about the fact, I just did a lot of thinking about this message, and I thought about the fact that in their day, as in ours, there was a lot of sorcery and witchcraft that went on. So I was thinking beyond the walls of the church and kind of stepping into the culture. The supernatural would have actually been quite common through sorcery and through witchcraft. Supernatural acts are not only performed by God and through God's representatives. So seeing miracles, being these people who saw the bread multiply, this very likely would not have been the first time that they were wowed by a supernatural act. In that day and in that culture, they most likely would have witnessed signs being done through demonic activity and done by those who practice witchcraft. All throughout scripture it makes mention, city after city, it was common to have sorcery yeah. and witchcraft at play. Right. Yeah. Remember all the plagues in Egypt. As the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to perform signs, Pharaoh also called the magicians, the sorcerers, to perform the same signs. They couldn't do them all, but they did a few of them the same. Then in Acts, remember Simon the sorcerer, all of Samaria witnessed his, the works that he did. It says from the least to the greatest, they all paid attention to him. Yeah. And Simon boasted about himself that he was someone great. And everyone called him, the, this man is rightly called the great power of God. Mm. So they thought he was moving by the power of God. But they were deceived because his motive was his own prophet. Yeah. His motive was the exaltation of his own name. It wasn't the exaltation of the name of the one true Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew and Mark warned of false prophets who will, perform, who will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive even the elect. I've never liked that verse. <laughs> but it's there. And Jesus himself said in Matthew, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter wow. the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's the way. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? And then I declare to, the, to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's a woe. Yeah. <laughs> Luke 10, Jesus, he's talking to Chorazin and Bethsaida, two cities that multiple signs and wonders were done in. And he says to them, woe to you, because they saw it all, but not one of them repented. Yeah. Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 2.9, 
The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Seeing does not equal believing. I have a friend who came miraculously saved out of Hinduism. The Lord just revealed himself to her in mighty ways. And she, she had a, an ailment that she was asking the Lord to heal. And she wasn't being healed. And she was so tempted to go to India to have a guru pray for her. Because she had witnessed over and over and over gurus performing healings and supernatural acts. But she had come to learn. She came to discern that no, that was actually false. That power wasn't of God, and even though she was tempted, she said, no, I'm going to remain with the one true Lord, and I'm right going to keep on. contending for healing through him. Amen. I have witnessed, as in my years of helping people be set free from demonic realm, I have witnessed over and over supernatural acts being done by the demonic. Even this last month, I witnessed a supernatural act being done by a Satanist. Yeah. And why do I say all of this? Because it's when you step outside of the church and you get into the realms of the culture, supernatural acts are not, they're very common. They're very common. Even within the church, there's things going on. This just wasn't in my notes, but I feel like there's places within the church where some of you are actually trapped in demonic realities. But because you're in the church, you think you're alone. So you remain trapped. But you don't have to. Because we have a God who is so powerful. Yeah. So don't stay in a stuck place. Don't stay in a stuck place. Come and find help. Come and find help. Because you're not alone. No matter what crazy, bizarre thing is going on in your home or in your life or in your mind. Jesus Christ can overcome it by the blood of the Lamb. So seek him. Find someone who can help you. You know, the enemy is still doing works to deceive people and lead people away from faith in Jesus Christ. He, has, he is so crafty at, at getting our carnal nature to go after power. We are so easily led into the things of power that are big demonstrative displays. But he does it in a way that go after the power, but you don't have to surrender to Jesus Christ who created it all. Who created the supernatural realm. And there's no doubt that witnessing signs and wonders, there's no doubt that it's awe-inspiring. Remember in Luke, when Jesus sent out the 72... And they came back rejoicing because the demons submitted to the name of Jesus. They had just stepped into another realm, as it were, and it was like, wow, Jesus' name is so powerful. And what does he say to them? He says, do not rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Yeah. And I love that. Because the greatest miracle of all, the greatest wow of all, is our salvation. The fact that he took my hard heart and gave me a heart of flesh. Yeah. That is miraculous. And that is what I want to sing and dance about the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I pray that that will always get a grip. 
not necessarily greater, but I don't ever want to exalt a miraculous event, a sign and wonder, and have that become higher than the glory and the praise that he gets for yeah. saving my soul. Yeah. And he brings them back into this place of proper worship, proper alignment, pure worship. I feel like the Lord is in this day and in this season, I feel like he is raising up pure worship. Right it's like a new stream of worship is going to come where we're not flippy floppy, where we're not living part in the world, part for, part for God. It's like he's going to take our hearts and he's going to align it. And worship is going to become pure. Not about any person, not about anything. It's only going to be about him. And I even feel like it's beginning in our midst. The worship in this place has been so sweet and we cannot lose it. Yeah. We cannot lose it through idolatry. Mm -hmm. It takes an added component to have someone move beyond the wow and the excitement of the supernatural to see the beautiful face of Jesus and surrender to his lordship. John 6, 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. The original word for draws, I didn't know this before, it's translated either, either literally, literally, or figuratively as to drag. <laughs> We're not by nature people who want to come to Christ. <laughs> he actually drags. And he repeats that again, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us that it is the God of this world that has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of God who is the image, the glory of Christ who is the image of God. The drawing of the Father and his mercy upon us to open our blind eyes is what's needed, that, that extra component added to the supernatural yeah. that'll make us go beyond the end result will not just be the supernatural work that we just witnessed but it'll take us through to worshiping the one we're actually supposed to be worshiping Amen. a sign without the accompanying work of the spirit will only draw man to see what's in it for themselves what will this sign give me what will it profit me it's not going to say, what will I have to give or surrender because I witnessed this sign and this wonder. We need the Spirit to bring us into that place of deeper worship. Does all of this mean that we don't ask God for signs and wonders? Not at all. We don't respond in fear, operate out of fear, or the fear of being deceived. The early church in Acts prayed for signs and wonders. They asked from, for signs from already established places of belief. In Acts 4, 29-31, it says, Now, Lord, look upon their hearts and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed this, the place in which they gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 14.3 says that God granted signs and wonders to bear witness to the word of grace. Amen. Mark says that signs and wonders confirmed the messages of the disciples. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
And Deuteronomy, in context of the, those who saw the, the miracles in Egypt, he says, to you it was shown that you might know the Lord is God, and yeah. besides him there is no other. Yeah, that's right. You know what I love throughout all of history, where the enemy has tried to show his signs and wonders, tried to exalt himself, nothing can compare to the power of the Lord. Right. When Pharaoh and had Moses and Aaron stretch out the staff, and he had the sorcerers do the same thing, so their staff becomes a snake, what happens in the end? Aaron's staff swallows up all of the magicians and the sorcerers' staffs. And then the prophets of Baal, with Elijah and the fire. Elijah poured 12 buckets of water over the sacrifice. And then God lit the fire from heaven. He revealed himself as the one true God. And the people there, when um, the people at the, with Elijah, he said to them, I can't remember the exact phrase, but something, why do you, because they kept going back and forth, worshiping false prophets, gods, God of Baal, to worshiping God. They did both. And he says, yeah. you need to make a decision yeah. who you're going to worship. And they saw that Jesus, God, was the only one who lit that fire that day. Mm -hmm. They realized who the one true Lord was. Then there was Bar-Jesus, a man. He was a Jewish sorcerer in Acts. And he was friends with a man, a very intelligent man, called the Proconsul. But this man, he wanted to know, he wanted to hear about God. But Bar-Jesus... He, so he would have been known, he was a sorcerer, he would have been known for signs and wonders, and he tried to stop this, this pro-council from coming to faith in God. And what, but what happened? Paul rebuked him, and he said, stop making, the crook, stop, make, stop making crooked the straight paths of the ah, Lord. Right. And the pro-council sat there and watched, and Paul says, the hand of the Lord is on you, and he's, he was declared that he would be blind, and he goes blind. And the pro-council witnessed this once Jewish sorcerer who once seemed to have all this power has now been blinded by the one true God. And he came to faith in Jesus. He is Lord. He is Lord over all. There is no one besides him. Thessalonians 2 verse 8. This is just, I love it. And then the lost one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring nothing by the appearance of his coming. I'm so tired of the enemy making himself look so big. Yeah. When one day Jesus is going to come and with the breath of his mouth he will be destroyed. I believe we're moving into a season where here at Oxford as well as North America we're going to begin to see increasing signs and wonders by the hand of God. Yes, Lord. And I believe that the Lord wants us to keep yeah. 
the display of his power in the proper place, yes. far from a place of idolatry, yes. far from a place where his power will be used for us to make ourselves a name, far from the place where it will be used for us to make a profit. Yeah. Amen. I look forward to, um, I think God, is, he does this, so I'm believing he's going to do this. <laughs> He takes what the enemy used for evil and he turns it for good. Yeah. Yes. And you know, I get so excited because we're actually so ripe. We are so ripe for a move of the Spirit. Yeah. And I get so concerned as even just watching, um, what do you call it, entertainment. Looking at it, I was just like searching through Netflix a while ago. What can I watch? I, it was littered with witchcraft, sorcery. And I'm like, our young people are being sucked in. But in that, we have hope because God's going to show himself yeah. greater. Yeah. He's going to show himself greater. And I look forward to however God wants to bring people to faith, however he wants to move in a revival across this land and bring man and woman unto the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If he wants to use signs and wonders, so be it. If he wants to use dreams and visions, so be it. If he wants to use the love of a friend over coffee at Starbucks, so be it. Yeah. If he wants to use a song on the radio, so be it. If he wants to use the relentless love of a father <laughs> over extending his arms to a prodigal son, so be it. If he wants to use the prayers of a faith-filled grandma, so be it. But let's not worship the way in which he ushers in that miracle for people's yeah. lives to see him. Yeah. Let's never exalt one over the other. I want my heart to sing out in praise just as much when I hear a report of a little grandma's faithful prayers. Not little grandma, faithful warrior grandma. <laughs> I want my heart to worship as much as when I hear some mountain moving experience of a sign of wonder. I want everything to draw my heart to yeah. worship and see Jesus. I'm actually going to leave it at that.